Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn joins me to discuss the explosion of violent crime in Memphis and what she is doing about it. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I'll also explain how a Biden crony is getting rich off our open border policies. Follow the Sarah Carter Show wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart cherry gummies come with a one 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com Dana for up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. Buytartcherry.com Dana. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. And sometimes you have to take into account the choices that lead to those disparities. Welcome to the program. I'm Dana Lash. It's good to be with you and start this week off uh, all together here on this first hour of our program. I hope you had a great weekend. This is not a soundbite that you wanted to hear. This isn't a soundbite that anybody really wanted to hear from the vice president of the United States. It's actually, I mean, this is pretty incredibly, unbelievably shocking to hear what she just said here. And this was her response, obviously, to Hurricane Ian in the aftermath. And her suggesting that the administration is going to focus its resources on specifically just only a certain demographic, only on based on equity, This is the absolute definition of critical race theory in action, which is a Marxist theory. As we, if you've listened at, you know, to any, the show at any point, you know, at some point you've heard me explain it, that it's based on equity. And she completely removes from this the whole issue of choice. Now, these words, when she spoke this, this was, I mean, obviously there was a lot of, a lot of pushback against this. She won't address any questions of it, though. She was asking, she's not answering a single question about this. She ignored questions when she was asked at the, this was Saturday evening, at the Phoenix Awards dinner, a dinner hosted by the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, the foundation. She ignored any and all questions. This is, it. it, it is, I just can't believe that this is something this should should not even at all whatsoever be it's just insane because as as we've discussed and this is the difference 
This is what CRT teaches. And there's a difference between equity and equality. Equality is that. Equality is when you, when everyone has the same opportunities, when everyone has the same treatment, there is no discrimination involved. The outcomes may vary. Equity is about guaranteeing the exact same outcomes using discrimination. And she just talked about how, well, some people don't start at the same place. So some people have to be kneecapped because through their choices or the choices of their families, they're in a better situation than that of someone else. I mean, I'll use myself as an example. I started off as a really poor kid raised by a single mom. Now that would take into account my background compared to some other people who started off you know, very well off. It isn't fair that because of the choices of those people or their families that they should be kneecapped because of my situation. That is ac- that's actually implementing discrimination. You cannot achieve equity without the absolute practice of systemic discrimination. So the people who are actually who are advocating for CRT are actually adv- they're advocating for they're advocating for discrimination. And that's what she's discussing here. Equity and equality are enemies. They cannot coexist because they require, one requires discrimination, the other one prohibits it. And the fact that she used the hur- a hurricane response, I think she should be disqualified for any uh, elected office ever. I think she is an embarrassment to women in her position. It is embarrassing. It is embarrassing to watch a distinction held by a woman who is so clearly unfit for it. It is embarrassing to watch a woman in this position do such a disservice to all other women when she refuses to join along and, and, and even define what a woman is. When she can't even articulate an idea clearly enough that, so it doesn't sound like word salad. She has every symptom of the disease of wanting the position but discarding the work that goes along with it and has the audacity to say in response to a hurricane that she believes the involvement of actual discrimination to achieve equity is something that they need to implement. That is sinful and it's criminal. There is, there is no love lost between me and this VP. And she won't take any because qu- she knows how badly she knows how bad it sounds. Audio soundbite two. One of the uh, reporters tried at this dinner at this fundraiser on Saturday. One of the reporters tried to ask her what she meant, but to no avail. Listen. Slaves resident, can you clarify what you meant about equity for hurricane relief? Hmm. Yeah. No, she won't. She's not going to say anything about it. She can't. What is she going to say? There's nothing that she can say about this. Just incredibly, just disgusting. This is, I think, one of the things that made me the angriest about everything over the weekend. Now, in response further with hurricane coverage, because I have uh, some media reaction as well. The other big story is this, this story of this amazing, this hero. He's a Coast Guard. He's a diver who has sa- he saved the life of a disabled woman during Hurricane Ian. We have the same last name. I don't know if we're related. I don't even know if he says it like I do. 
Aviation survival technician, second class, Zach Lash, is due. He was he was publicly thanked by the president on Saturday. And he is he's a hero. He's been out there saving lives. And it's because I mean, it's no easy task, no easy feat. I'm pulling something up here because but the Internet's not helping me out. I was looking there were there were because uh, there are a number of states who've sent Coast Guard into Florida and he's one who's been sent. Now, after he was thanked because Biden was uh, in a press release, Biden expressed his gratitude. Here it is. This is what I was looking for. The direct quote, quote, I told him how proud I was and thanked him for all of the work that he and his coasties are doing to save lives. But he's going to get fired. He didn't say that actually in the statement, but he's going to get fired. Because he is one of the 2,632 members of the Coast Guard who won't take the phantom fake vaccination. It's an injection, and you can use it as a therapeutic, and I don't care, but don't lie and tell me that you're urinating on my leg is rain, because it's not. This is not, it does not transfer immunity. I think people should be suspended from social media platforms if they're going to, if they're going to go at people for, for saying that this is, I mean, it's really just more, it's a therapeutic. That's what this is then you should go at people for saying that it, it in, transfers some sort of immunity because it doesn't. This guy, he and 2,632 other members of the Coast Guard who have declined to get the injection because they are healthy. And remember, the injection is required regardless of whether or not you actually were, you, you caught COVID naturally by yourself and you got, you have natural immunity. doesn't matter if you have natural immunity. doesn't matter if you already had it and recovered it from it. The government wants to inject you. He even applied for a religious exemption. And he said that he didn't bring up the mandate when he was speaking to the president because he's all class, unlike the president and vice president. Now, usually they said that the service members who are declining to get the injection will be generally discharged. And they can re-enlist if they get injected. You know, the thing that doesn't actually transfer any kind of immunity. Okay. So he's going to get fired. I think in just what, a couple days? Something to that extent. So he's going to lose his job, this hero that the president included in a statement to thank for his heroism. He's actually, he's going to get fired because he didn't get the injection. So this is, I think, a perfect example of what happens when ideology turns into a religion because it has now the president is set to visit puerto rico and florida to survey hurricane ian damage and meet with governor ron DeSantis. sanibel island has been listed as non-habitable i can see i can see why that causeway is gone both ways in 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 and out are gone just absolute disaster fort myers beach fort myers was said to uh, essentially, they're going to have to rebuild maybe somewhere else. It's that bad. The whole place wiped out. Just horrific. Coming up, we're going to get into some of the the media are hell-bent on creating this narrative. They're trying to find something to get DeSantis on. They're trying to find some way to blame him for the... Because the death toll, sadly, we there is... I think it's the death count as of now tops 70 in Florida with drowning being the leading cause and we're going to get into some of the evacuation and some of the narrative that the 
media is pushing because they're trying to ping DeSantis on this. And it's really disgusting because people are still cleaning up and they're focused on the politics of it. Now, additionally, some of the other things we're looking at. I saw this piece that ended up, I was trying to remember where this piece ran. I want to say it was The Hill. And it was a a double bylined op-ed. And the editorial was suggesting that by sending illegal entrance to Martha's Vineyard or elsewhere from Florida, that Ron DeSantis is he's going to be playing around with the approval of uh, Hispanic Americans. But that's not what the polls are showing. In fact, a CBS poll found that the vast majority of voters wholeheartedly support the decision to send illegal entrants to Democrat sanctuary cities. And all the sanctuary cities just happen to be Democrat run. In fact, it's almost 52% approve. And 88% of them believe that it, of that 50, almost 52% believe that it is an effective way to bring attention to the issue of illegal immigration and the burden that it places on these border towns and border states. So those, they're, they're wishing for something that isn't happening, not happening at all. So coming up, we have a lot more to get into. The new firearms background check, apparently it's reportedly also collecting addresses of firearms purchasers. We're going to get into the media's narrative and the politicization, again, of a hurricane. And energy, OPEC, that they're going to start even, they're going to start even more restricting supply. Wait until you hear these headlines. So we have a lot to get into starting off this Monday. Back in the good old days, Americans argued about which policies to pursue to improve the great country we love. And today, we find ourselves arguing about whether or not our country is great or if we should love America or be ashamed of it. For too many years, too many of our schools have been neglecting to teach about America's great heritage of liberty, presenting them instead with a dishonest narrative of America as fundamentally unjust and racist. Hillsdale College, a small Christian classical liberal arts college in southern Michigan, is weighing in for America by offering you free online courses such as The Great American Story, A Land of Hope, and Constitution 101, The Meaning and History of the Constitution. With Hillsdale College, you'll study timeless truths in a supportive community dedicated to knowledge of the highest things, provides insight into the nature of God and man, forms character, and defends constitutional government. I encourage all of you to visit DanaForHillsdale.com and enroll today. To begin your free Hillsdale College course, visit DanaForHillsdale.com today. That's DanaForHillsdale.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. A terrifying Russian bat virus could spark the next pandemic. Of course, it's a Russian. The, uh, oh, I'm so tired. I'm not even going to read the first sentence of the stupid story. What I want to do is print it out and find somebody that has a power wheels because I sold my kids after they got older and run it over with that. They say the pandemic isn't over. It looks like it could linger for a long time. It's over. Get over it. And I don't, bad virus, quit eating bats. It's just that damn simple. Quit messing with bats. Stop it. Moving on because I'm already mad at that headline. Uh, this Wall Street Journal. I don't even like, I'm not even a fan of this because you guys know how I kind of feel about robots. Elon Musk unveiled a prototype of Tesla's humanoid robot Optimus and says it will cost less than a car. 
and it can probably kill you. I'm just saying, we all saw that Will Smith movie way before he ever slapped Chris Rock. He presented the prototype at a gathering uh, last week in Palo Alto, California. It is, it's the, it's freaky looking. It's a humanoid robot. He wants to shape the perception of the company as more than just a car maker. We believe you. You do not have to create this robot in order to do that. I don't even like Roombas. I don't even like those. Just this, it's freaky. So this, uh, let's see, research shows, this is not good if you hate cuddles, uh, that apparently cuddles, which is a word I hate, can mend damage to hearts from heart attacks. Researchers from Michigan State University found the love hormone oxytocin released, says they said that it can actually stimulate the growth of new and healthy heart cells. They studied zebrafish that have a remarkable ability to regrow damaged heart tissue. They found a 20-fold increase in oxytocin following a heart injury. Interesting. So, moving on, Girl Scout cookies to become more expensive. Of course they are, because everything else is so much more expensive. Many regions are increasing the cost of cookies for the first time in years. I swear I had just a story like this from just a couple of years ago where they increased the cost. But they said that it's going from... Are on average five to six dollars a package so everything's increasing about a do- thin mints will be increased samoas tagalongs uh some of the other stuff that i don't care about and i've never eaten it's all going to increase by the by a dollar so a whole dollar it's going to it's going to go up uh also this is let me pull this up bup, bup, bup. Uh, this is interesting. Texas Education Agency just appointed the, an ex-Secret Service agent as the head of their school safety initiative. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced John P. Scott as the new chief of school safety and security within the TEA, Texas Education Agency, beginning today. Well, that's a good move. Stick with us. we got a lot more in store, including equity and equality and energy and more. Did you know that tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart cherry gummies come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off tart cherry gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com slash Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com slash Dana for up to 35% off tart cherry gummies. Buytartcherry.com slash Dana. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. From Lee County, why do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry station uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. 
But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So, you know, they um, but they did. And I think it's um, it's easy to second guess them. But they were ready for the whole time and um, and, and made that call when when there was justifiable to do. Hmm. That is Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He's actually talking to a CNN reporter that and the media has been hell bent on pushing that evacuation narrative. I want to break this down. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you this Monday, bottom of our first hour. That is the big push that I've seen from the left uh, through the media. And the media is hitting first. And so I'm anticipating people like Newsom and others to follow as soon as they think that media has ceded the ground enough to make it acceptable to make such an accusation towards DeSantis. So what they're discussing specifically is Lee County in Florida and Lee County a lot of people a lot of people who are uh, homeless this is you know this remember when it was all and I want to say that this was even leading up to 48 hours beforehand and there was a huge push the hurricane was it was headed directly at that point directly for Tampa and the, I think the trajectory of the hurricane began shifting ever so slightly. And then it turned towards the south a little bit, going towards Fort Myers. And so that's why everyone, that could, because Lee County, apparently the death toll is at 35. And again, the majority of this is due to drowning. Now, Lee County made the decision to evacuate. And... They evacuated, and you heard DeSantis explain how that decision-making process worked. Their attempt to create this Katrina narrative for him. Which, can I just have a quick sidebar? This is what's weird. The media is trying to create a, a, a Hurricane Katrina narrative for Ron DeSantis so that they can kneecap him and not only... Uh, maybe uh, sort of reduce the enthusiasm Republican voters have going into midterms, but also hurt him ahead of any potential 2024 run. Do you remember, though, like, let's go back to Hurricane Katrina for a moment. Do you remember when the media was not going after a governor, but they were blaming George Bush for the actions of the governor? So if a Democrat republic or if a Democrat is in the White House and they're president, then it's the governor. But if it's a Republican president in the White House, then it's the president, not the governor. Kathleen Blanco was the governor of Louisiana at the time. And her indecision, she's accused of, of, I mean, basically helping to uh, the body count go up because of her absolute indecision. And she was accused of this by FEMA, not by the media, not by anybody, anybody else. And she was a Democrat. So it was really weird for the media to go about this story. I remember of it. I remember the whole thing. There were like 40 some odd pages of email after email after email between FEMA representatives and Pentagon officials that completely buried her defense that because she was trying to blame the federal government and they were saying you didn't do what you were supposed to do you were supposed to call in the guard you didn't do it you were supposed to have a clearly stated evacuation order and you didn't do it you waited too damn long you were indecisive your response was delayed i mean they at one point there were i mean some of the folks within fema which is a government agency they were saying that New Orleans' own comprehensive emergency plan, and this is through ABC, actually raised the issue of, quote, having large numbers of people stranded. 
because they just didn't have a plan. They didn't have a good enough plan in place to, to actually put into motion. You remember New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin just a couple of days before he was drinking at a football game. He got a lot of flack for that. Kathleen Blanco did not submit any kind of request for the federal role until really way after she should have. And that is the governor's responsibility to do that. I remember saying at the time, or saying this, you know, looking in hindsight, that you can't, you can't get mad, you can't say that George W. Bush was a tyrant and that he, was getting invo- he gets involved in everything at the same time, demanding that he get involved in everything. This is why you have elected governors. She didn't do what she needed to do. Entirely different from Ron DeSantis, who did what he needed to do. To the point where media is now sniffing around, trying to find some way to hit him. Lee County was given an evacuation order just like everybody else did. The storm was going to hit Tampa originally, which was pretty far north of Lee County. And then from there, it was going to hit Tampa and then curve upward towards northern Florida, heading towards Jacksonville. Everybody, you have millions and millions of people that have to be evacuated. You have only so many highways, so many bridges. You have millions of people that have to be evacuated. People don't think of things like this. It can actually be more dangerous if you're telling an entire state to evacuate than if you're trying to be strategic about it. Now, when the storm was not projected to actually impact and hit Lee County, they were going to get outer bands. But remember, this is even 48 hours before. In fact, you remember when I joined you on air the day before it was set to hit, I said only in the past 36 hours has this changed course. By then, that order had already been given, by the way, for Lee County. The point is, is that Democrats are trying to say that Ron DeSantis didn't evacuate the entire damn state of Florida. And as a result, you have 30 fatalities in Lee County. So it's his fault. That's what they're trying to do. They don't understand any of this. CNN was saying, well, there were mandatory evacuations before Tuesday. And yes, that's because you had those counties were north of Lee County. They were right by Tampa, right where the literal middle of the storm was expected to hit. And only it was actually less than 36 hours before it actually made landfall. Did it turn southern, turn towards the south? I mean, I don't know what if they understand the, the, the geography of Florida. You you do the absolute best you can to try to make this out to be like some kind of Kathleen Blanco situation where she didn't do jack crap until the last second. And she didn't submit anything in a timely order. And that those are FEMA and Pentagon accusations. It's not even remotely comparable. But this is what they're, they're going to push for this. Just like they're, they're politicizing everything. Just like the vice president saying that the response, hurricane response and resources is going to be due to uh, equity. And, um, you know, that's what we're going to. That's going to focus on communities of color. Can you imagine if a president of the United States or a Republican or anybody else had gone out there and said, we're going to have our hurricane response focused only on the white people? Can you imagine? It is absolutely the same. It's absolutely the same. You have some of the progressive racial stands out there who are saying, oh, no, that's what about No, it's about it's a hypocrite. It's a hypocrisyism. That's what it is. It's not what about It's hypocrisyism. It's your hypocrisy because you're a racist. What Kamala Harris said was racist. If you say racist things, I'm going to assume that you are a racist. And that's inexcusable. So they're they're making this 
they're making this all about DeSantis and trying to make this his Katrina moment. And it's simply not. It just is absolutely not. And I thought he handled that incredibly well. Now, there's a few other things that I want to hit because this is ongoing discussion. Energy. I hate even saying this, but get ready for a very expensive winter. Energy bills are about to soar as though we didn't already have problems. Some of the latest the with the global energy crisis, Europe is trying to secure LNG. American companies are trying to assist. Domestic oil production is about maybe a million barrels per day. But it's getting worse because of this headline. CNBC had this this morning. Oil prices could soon return to $100 as OPEC considers historic cut. Remember, Biden went with hat in hand. OPEC and non-OPEC producers, a group often referred to as OPEC Plus, will meet in Vienna Wednesday of this week to decide on the next phase of production policy. They say the oil cartel and its allies are considering an output cut of more than a million barrels per day. And this was an OPEC Plus source who spoke to Reuters. They said that they're coming, they're not going to come for the first time in two years to do nothing. So there's going to be a cut of some historic kind. That's according to Dan Pickering, who is the CIO of Pickering Energy Partners. And that's what a lot of other folks are saying. That they don't do, they don't make trips like this for nothing. And that there is going to be a, a major cut. They said that they're considering an output cut of more than a million barrels per day. That's going to be a lot. Now we're going to see the response to all of this. In addition to here, we have our permitting, which has been slowed to a crawl even more than it was. Now on top of this, one other headline here. This as it relates to California. AAA has gas price data. It's been looking at this for California, diesel prices, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that I noticed is that California refineries apparently are there's a there's a a few things in this California refineries are looking to switch to renewable diesel which is going to slash their output just just gets dumber and dumber and this is of course a Gavin Newsom push it's all about the ESG it's all about all that that's it's it's a green agenda we're going to talk about this here a little bit more coming up because Something this huge on coupled with everything else that we see. I don't I mean, it's going to be a, a barn burner of a winter in terms of energy bills. Now, while this has been happening in his state, Gavin Newsom, you'll be very happy to know this, signed a bill banning rap lyrics as evidence in criminal court cases. Yes, it's AB 2799, the Decriminalizing Artistic Expression Act. He said that artists of all kinds should be able to create without the fear of unfair and prejudicial prosecution. So he said that you can't use these in court against artists without a judicial review. This is what I mean, I just I think it's kind of silly because wouldn't it be if you don't want a crime committed to if you don't want to face the charge for that, then maybe don't record yourself admitting to your involvement in it for a song and then expect to be protected from that confession because you say that this is artistic expression. 
This is California. We have a lot more on the way, folks, including coming up some of the latest, all the latest hurricane coverage as well. The president is expected to be meeting with Ron DeSantis as he tours Puerto Rico and Florida. I have Wokery for you, including a high school girls volleyball team banned from its own locker room because they were concerned about having to undress themselves and change their clothes in front of a male identifying as a girl who was apparently making very inappropriate remarks to them in the locker room. They've been banned from their own locker room and they all have to change in a one-person bathroom stall. 30 girls in a one-person bathroom stall. So the male, after he said apparently inappropriate things to the girls in the locker room as they were getting naked in front of him, so he can change in comfort in the locker room. So we're going to talk about all of that as well coming up. Folks, stop overpaying and let Recoil Gunworks be your go-to for ammo. This is a great Indiana-based company, and it was actually created in a small basement in 2013. Small Midwest town in their basement, and uh, family-owned, they think like us, and they're really known for over at Recoil Gunworks. They're web-based firearms, ammo, and accessories retailer. They're really known for their police trade-in guns in great shape. They pick them, including the firearms, the lights, the sights, the scopes, tasers, and more. You can buy now, pay later, no interest. And at Recoil Gunworks, they have very, very competitive pricing. Super easy to use website as well. Just visit recoilgunworks.com slash Dana. You can search for whatever you need by caliber, weight, application. You can look for brands like Winchester, Federal. Uh, Vast majority of the country, by the way, has no restrictions on receiving ammo and they will note you know they have it all up there very helpfully on their website ammo shipped to your door where legal and they explain that including illinois new jersey and connecticut you need to see the frequently asked questions on that and check the product restrictions page for further state law requirements and restrictions visit recoilgunworks.com slash dana today to get you a full list of products and use code dana to get free shipping on your next order whether you need it in the woods or on the range recoil gunworks gets it there fast and once you make your first order it won't be the last use code dana right now to get free shipping at recoilgunworks.com slash dana your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back if you're gonna have to learn stuff you might as well enjoy it the dana show some uh, director billy eichner is mad because of his lgbtq alphabet rom-com And he is blaming it on straight America. It is a gay rom-com called Bros. And it cost $22 million to make. It didn't even break $5 million since it's released on Friday. I don't even think it was in the top three. Uh, A horror movie called Smile ended up being number one. And he said straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up. Uh, They didn't show up because they probably didn't want to watch crap. Is why. If you make good movies that people want to watch, people will go out and watch them. But this idea that you're going to make something specifically because you want to send a message more than you want to engage in artistic expression is a death wish for quality of the thing that you're making. It is an absolute death wish. This also reminds me of that Bill Burbitt that he did when he was talking about WNBA and women's soccer, and he was saying, look, you know, we, we gave you this. We gave you WNBA. We gave you, I thought it was funny. He said, but you guys didn't show up. Women don't watch it. And it's true. Women don't, for all the talk about women's soccer, women don't watch it. Women aren't filling the stands. Women don't watch WNBA. Not like men watch NBA. And he says, the women didn't show up. The very 
people for whom this was designed didn't show up to support it. So don't sit here and blame men for it. And to that same extent, don't sit here and blame everyone else in the country because you failed to make a good movie. I mean, I just get the impression that this guy thinks that he wakes up in the morning and just like takes a deuce and that it's, you know, it's like a a box office hit. That's not how this works. And the fact that he's so whiny about it totally underscores the fact that this movie probably sucks. He doesn't even have the wherewithal to recognize that, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe it's me. No, it's everybody else. I mean, just from what I've seen, it looks so over the top in terms of we have to make sure that every every scene is a message. Everything has, nobody likes that. Nobody wants to go to the movies and get lectured. They want to go to the movies to get away from all of the garbage in society because society is annoying. People are annoying. Everyone nags you. Everyone is woke. Everyone is an influencer. Everyone has a message. Everybody has this and that. And people are so damn tired of it. They do not want to voluntarily go and sit as some sort of captive audience in a seat in a dark room and watch two hours more of it when they live it all through the week. Take the L, dude. It's you. It's not everybody else. Don't make crap movies and maybe people will turn out to watch them. And if there's anyone else to blame, blame your gay audience for not going out and supporting it. As many people as you see out in the street for pride marches and apparently you couldn't get that into your theaters, then maybe take issue with the community that you made it for instead of everybody else. We don't owe you anything. You're not owed a space on the on the marquee. Golly, we got more to come. Second hour on the way. Stick with us. Dana Lash here for Arc Seeds. There's a growing sense of instability and uncertainty. Gas, housing, everyday items are way up. Uh, food prices have the nation reeling. The ability to grow your own healthy food is on almost everybody's mind. So this is why I want to tell you about Arc Seed Kits. You can visit Arc, A-R-K, ArcSeedKits.com and enter code Dana to receive 10% off. Now, Arc Seed Kits, it's a non-GMO seed company. It's family owned and they provide heirloom seeds for across the nation for over 13 years. They want to make sure every home in America has the ability to grow and harvest its own food. And these are the highest quality heirloom seeds. They arrive in a sustainable container offering long-term and short-term storage. And they also bring seed saving knowledge and food preparedness to you and your community. You can get seeds for vegetables and herbs. They have 50,000 organically grown seeds in each kit. We're talking corn, watermelon, cucumbers, lettuce, beans, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff designed to grow new nutrient and calorie dense vegetables and fruits to sustain any home at any time. So, and they can be harvested and regrown year after year. You guys know how heirloom seeds work, right? Chaz Chop in Portland didn't. So visit Arc Seed Kits and enter Dana to get your 10% discount code and be on your way to food and economic security, helping you and your family and your community. It's a limited time offer. Visit arcseedkits.com, A-R-K, and order your seed kits and save 10% today. Lee County. Why do you stand behind Lee County's decision to not have that mandatory evacuation until the day before the storm? Well, did you, where was your industry station uh, when the storm hit? Were you guys in Lee County? 
No, you were in Tampa. So that's, you know, they were following the weather track, and um, they had to make decisions based on that. But, you know, 72 hours, they weren't even in the cone. 48 hours, they were on the periphery. Uh, so you got to make the decisions the best you can. I will say, uh, you know, they delivered the message to people. They had shelters open. Uh, you know, everybody had adequate opportunity to at least get to a shelter within the county. Um, but, you know, a lot of the residents did not um, did not want to do that. I think for probably for various reasons, some people just don't want to leave their home, period. They're island people, whatever. But I think part of it was so much attention was paid to Tampa that I think a lot of them probably thought that they wouldn't get the worst of it. So, you know, they um, but they did. And, and I think it's um, it's easy to second guess them. But they were ready for the whole time and um, and, and made that call when when there was justifiable to do so. I think that's a really good explanation from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He's talking to a CNN reporter there in a new narrative that they're trying to construct. Welcome back to the program. Top of our second hour this Monday, your lovable curmudgeon Dana Lash with you to get you started out on your week the right way. And that narrative, the I think the insinuation is that he's, well, the, they're basically accusing him without outright saying it. So, yeah, insinuation is that he's somehow responsible. There were 30 fatalities reported out of uh, Lee County, I think 70 total now. And the majority, apparently, according to law enforcement, are due to drowning. And the issue with uh, where the storm's path, which is absolutely pertinent to this whole discussion, you all remember in the hours leading up, and it was really really wild and i remember a lot of the meteorologists whether you were looking at the national weather Cha- or the weather channel and they had national hurricane center and all that stuff on there it was less than i went back and i was looking it was less than 36 hours before it actually hit landfall that it was it was it was projected to hit dead center tampa and then less than 36 hours before it actually made landfall, it turned towards the south and went towards Fort Myers Beach. And remember, we were all saying that it only picked up a little bit of steam. It had been very, very slow going over Cuba and everything else. It had been very slow and it only picked up a little bit of steam. And so when you, everyone was expecting, you know, Tampa, I have uh, a number of friends that live in Tampa and they were hearing Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. Well, by that time, they were all evacuating. And what he's what 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 DeSantis was saying is that the moment they realized that it was going towards instead the dead center, not towards Tampa, but towards Lee County, towards Fort Myers, etc., that people were evacuated. But you also have to remember you have millions and millions of people in this area. You have a number of uh, bridges, a number of roads, and you it, sometimes it can be more dangerous to incite mass hysteria and tell everyone to uh, tell every and tell everyone to evacuate instead of trying to because you have to maintain some kind of orderly evacuation in order to keep people safe. I mean, this is just I these people have no idea what it takes to make these kind of decisions and plan for something of this size. And I just got that I got that whole impression listening to this line of questioning. And I thought he explained it incredibly well. The moment they realized that, in fact, the storm had changed, you know, because storms can change. Then the call had been made. So there was them trying to make this like he's the new Kathleen Blanco when the media didn't even want to saddle her. They didn't even want to yoke her with the responsibility of her delayed indecisiveness, which is exactly what FEMA and Pentagon in over like 40 some odd pages of emails. They accused the 
Louisiana governor at the time of Hurricane Katrina of absolute indecisiveness and she had delayed orders. She didn't submit things in a proper timely fashion. I mean, it was absolutely the leadership of the state that broke apart. You had New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin two days before that damn hurricane hit. He was at a, I mean, they had this video, Google it. They had video and photos everywhere. He's drinking a beer, watching a football game, living it up, living his best life. And you had all of the controversy with the levy and maintenance, etc. There's a great issue right there of people who are in local positions of elected leadership that did not do their due diligence and didn't do their jobs by the voters. But the media gave all of them a pass back then and they blamed George W. Bush because George W. Bush apparently wasn't just president of the United States at the time. He was also governor of Louisiana and mayor of New Orleans. Who knew? Now, here you have Florida with Ron DeSantis. They did everything correctly. And I hate to say it because 70, considering the magnitude, size of the storm, the storm surge, I'm not the only person who has said this. Any loss of life is too much. But for a storm of that size, I think people anticipated a lot higher fatality count. But there was good evacuation and good response. You can't predict everything. And when something does shift You have to be nimble enough to move and acclimate. And that's what Florida did as it shifted from Tampa to Fort Myers. So trying to make this Ron DeSantis is Katrina because these jackals are hell bent on trying to kneecap a a 2024 potential opportunity. is just one of the crazy. It's just sickening. People are still cleaning up. There some some people have lost everything. There's a whole town that's been wiped out jackals i mean they said sanibel island not habitable fort myers beach residents are warned they could be homeless for months insurers are looking at a 60 billion dollar payout Six hundred thousand without power it's going to be slow going but they'll get it now i have to share this story with you you're going to get very upset randolph high school this is in vermont A girls volleyball team has been banned from its own locker room. High schools, the high school officials are investigating a conflict involving a transgender student on the team, meaning a male who identifies as a female. And it's their, but their volleyball team. This story is, this is Vermont, this story is infuriating. So the Randolph High School women's volleyball team, they were, they're now banned from their locker room. The female players had objected to the, what they said were inappropriate comments that the male student who was allowed to change. Now, remember, the whole transgender thing, you don't have to be a male identifies as a woman and you're attracted to other men. You can still be attracted to other women. That they made a bit, everybody made it, the, the activists made a very big deal about explaining all of this. Under Vermont state law, students can play in sports and use the locker rooms of whatever gender with, gender with, with which they identify. So these female players were having to undress themselves and get naked in front of a male who says he's a woman player who was in their locker room. And when he began, he was alleged to have made very inappropriate remarks to them. While they were changing, when the girls became uncomfortable, and these are minor teenage girls, by the way, when the girls became uncomfortable and they objected, they were banned from their locker room. 
The school sent out an email to players' families saying that the school has plenty of spaces where students who feel uncomfortable with the laws can change in privacy. So they made the girls change into a single bathroom stall. They, they didn't tell the one single male who wants to identify as a female who insisted on using the girls' locker room. They didn't tell him to go and change in the single-person stall. They made an entire girls' volleyball team go and change in the single-person stall. Blake Allen is a female player on the team. And she told local news that it makes her incredibly uncomfortable to undress herself in a locker room in front of a boy. And she says, quote, it's a huge thing. Everyone's asking, why aren't you allowed in the locker room? And she talked about how uncomfortable it was. It takes the girls now 45 minutes just to change because they all have to use a single stall bathroom. And she, they're all objecting. The girls are objecting. They, the girls are saying that we are at our most vulnerable. And they're, they're, acting, they're asking about safety concerns. I mean, this is just, it's, I can't even, it's just sickening that, th- that women are being treated this way. And they said that the dispute, it all began with those comments that the male had been making. And they made, they were made incredibly uncomfortable. They were probably already uncomfortable to begin with. You know, after years of being told to listen to gut instinct, if you felt unsafe walking on, I mean, I just remember the, the story that was so often used as an example to women. If, there, if you were walking on one side of the street and there was a, a male approaching you and you just had a bad feeling, go ahead and cross over to the other side of the street. You know, protect yourself. Always be aware. Women have been told for generations to listen to gut instinct. And when women feel uncomfortable with men being in their spaces, in women's bathrooms, in women's locker rooms, women are shamed, they're bullied, called sexist slurs. And when men demand women's spaces for their comfort, they are immediately accommodated. It's all done at the expense of women. One of the things that gets me is because I know that there are I know that there are some people out there who say, well, that's, you know, the result of feminism. That's what you get. You know, these feminists that go out there. I really hope that we aren't being so deluded that we universally apply punishment to all of our female friends and wives and daughters for the penalty of progressive third wave feminism. Because not every woman would describe herself that way and nor should every woman be made vulnerable by such a penalty. I think that that's a lazy way to remove nuance and absolve yourself of having to care about the issue, which ultimately actually contributes just as much to it as the feminists that people are, are, are blaming for it. I mean, the bottom line is that you have these teenage girls who weren't around when third wave feminism was created and now they're, they're, they're being bullied and shamed 
Remember when slut shaming was bad, but we can shame women for somehow yet feeling unsafe in women's locker rooms if men are changing in there? It's just, it's just, it's just no. But this is, this, is where, this is where we're at. Women have to sacrifice. Well, so far the school's investigating, but girls aren't allowed back in their own locker room. So we'll see. I had cousins that did this that had to under, that went through something like this in Missouri with their high school with an 18-year-old male who was changing in the women's locker room. And I, my cousins were minor, minor girls who were told that they had to change everything. You know, you have to change and get undressed unless you're a bigot. You have to completely expose yourself to this male who's still sexually attracted to females, even though he wants to identify as one. That's abusive. And I think that honestly, the school should be criminally liable for the objectification of children and child abuse for that. Not, I mean, to say nothing of the rape that occurred in Virginia when they implemented these types of rules. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 9 998899. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Well, experts are saying that grocery prices aren't going to come down anytime soon. In fact, new government data shows grocery prices climbed 13.5% in August from the year before. It's the highest annual increase since March of 1979. Food producers say the surge is a result of paying higher prices for labor and packaging materials. High inflation. And it points to supply issues, all kinds. So... They tend to stay up there once uh, prices hit a certain level. Doesn't mean necessarily they're going to drop. Usually they don't. So this is just not, none of this is good. Which makes this story sound so wonderful. From Oddity Central, a woman apparently claims to have been living alone on the water for the last 41 years. A Vietnamese woman says she gave up solid food over 40 years ago and survived on water spiked with some salt, sugar, and lemon juice ever since. The 63-year-old woman is famous in her community, Vietnam's Long An province, for her very unique diet. She says she's been living on... I thought it meant when I first read this story that she was like living by herself away from everyone for the past 41 years. And I was like, how heavenly. No, she drinks water. That's it. I think that's... I don't know. I'm going to call some shenanigans. I mean, you can't tell me that if this woman... You know, she don't have no little Debbie's hidden somewhere or something. I don't know. Or some the big, giant, good, sticky rice ball. Come on. Uh, also, this is just gets worse for the opioid epidemic. Now, an animal tranquilizer, xylazine, 
is overtaking the opioid supply in Philly. It's known on the streets as Trank. It can be lethal. Sidebar, Lil Trank, sounds like it's going to be a stage name. Uh, when mixed with heroin or fentanyl, it causes nasty wounds and sores that can result in amputations. Oh my gosh. Some people are injecting it unwittingly. Uh, how? Others are looking at, at trying to get out, seek out the sedative to lengthen the high of traditional opioids. Wow, more dangerous things. Mold in blood could help doctors spot cancers. This is bizarre. Mold in actual blood could help doctors spot cancers. Experts are finding fungi living in those cells. It includes fungi, 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 yeah. Includes mushrooms and all kinds of stuff. They said mold spores can be detected if found early. That's wild. Stick with us. We got more in store. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail, it's The Dana Show. Do you support measures to defund police? You have 60 seconds. Of course I don't, and and no one does. Uh, that's not true. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you for a midterm update. That's not actually true. Um, when did he turn from to that? Because um, flashback, audio soundbite 9000. I, I really love that uh, Black Lives Matters and uh, other protesters have put this front and center to defund and then also in, in some necessary cases completely dismantling those police forces. So Bader O'Rourke, the Hispanic name appropriating Irishman who's never worked a real job because he lives off his family's money, Robert O'Rourke said that he su- don't doesn't support defunding police at the Texas gubernatorial debate, which was held over the weekend. Yet there is that audio and so much more of him out there over and over again saying, yes, he supports defunding the police and, and, and celebrating all of those far leftist groups responsible for riots and arson, celebrating their push to get police defunded. You can't have it both ways. These people forget that the Internet exists just because you change your position in order to try to appeal to the moderates that are rejecting you in the state that you're never going to win. Doesn't mean that we just forget this stuff exists on the Internet. He's not polling well in Texas. He's this is he's an example of a he was used by Democrats after Wendy Davis. Wendy Davis was used to seed the state and registered voters get voters registered for the Democrat Party, etc. There was no chance in hell she was ever going to win anything. I think that the party sometimes appeals to these, you know, people's vanity in order to make them believe all of this great press about themselves. She didn't win. Beto O'Rourke was the same thing. They ran this guy. How many races has he run for and lost at this point? 
they he they run him to register voters and to try to get a further toehold. But no one in Texas likes this guy. Democrats in Texas don't even like this guy. I mean, his dad once told the Dallas Morning News, you have to go on Wayback Machine to find it because it was conveniently scrubbed. His dad, who was the judge that got him off of the drunk driving charge and the burglary charge, like he's just, he's he's a slacker. And he tries to, he's older than I am and he tries to act like he's a millennial. Dude, you're literally like a couple of years older than me. You're not a millennial. Shut up. You're a slacker Gen X. It's what you are, except you're an actual slacker. You don't actually accomplish anything, and you don't want to be left alone. You want to be in everyone's business, and you want the the this, and you want the political fame that comes from running constantly for offices. He always misrepresents himself, and he's not popular in Texas. I just there's nothing there's nothing about this guy. I don't get his appeal. I really don't. I don't know why why there are Democrat women that like him i just don't get it do you remember when he lost what race was it that he lost and he went on let me google this he i want to make sure i get this right he went on a road trip was that when he got bumped out of the presidential primary was that i think that's what it was because he was maybe that's what it was he went on a road trip and it was weird because some of the lefty sites slammed him for it because of he said he left his wife to like babysit or something to that effect or he left the kids with his wife i don't remember how it was st- oh yeah 2020 so you're right and it was weird because the left the salons the slates all of that some of them liked it some of them didn't he went on a road trip in 2020 to go find himself after he lost and he kept this journal he wanted to be an influencer and wrote about all and it was and he just left left his wife with the with the kids just left Went on a road trip, find out about himself, and I just, I don't get how he is in any way considered to be an attractive or a capable candidate. It's just weird. He gives me the creeps. I'm just, I'm not saying that he's like this, but if I were to to paint a picture of a guy who would spike a woman's drink, it'd probably look like him. I'm just saying, if I were, someone asked me to create a picture of what they would look like, I'm just saying. He's just as creepy. I don't get the appeal. I really don't, even with his own base. I just don't, I just don't get the appeal. But as it relates to midterms, because I told you that debate, he didn't do very well in the debate, the Texas gubernatorial debate. New polls show a ever-tightening U.S. Senate race. Now there's good news and bad news. 538 says Democrats have a 32% chance of keeping the House. They also forecast Dr. Oz of having only a 23% chance of victory. I don't understand how this guy can have only that much of a chance of victory. Flashback, audio sound sound bite 18, when Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania, now Senate candidate John Fetterman, vandalized a black-owned nightclub. And there's a media report of it. Listen. And get this. It is showing that man right there. He is a local mayor. And believe it or not, what he's headed to do He's about to vandalize the sign at a local business in his town. Channel 4 Action News reporter Sheldon Ingram live tonight, or Sheldon is reporting the story. He says the mayor admitted he did it. Mayor John Fetterman shows us how he rearranged the wording on a club he doesn't even own. He actually knew he was captured by surveillance cameras, but he didn't care. In fact, he says he wanted to be seen on camera. I know that they have cameras out front, and it was my way of putting them on notice. So it was a very public way uh, that I chose to, you know, put them on notice that, hey, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're going to shut you down. 
I, I mean, that's before he had his stroke, and he still doesn't sound all that all articulate. That's So John Fetterman, <clears throat> he targets and vandalizes black-owned businesses. John Fetterman, the guy who heard fireworks and decided to run down the first, like Ahmed Aubrey style, run down the first black jogger that he saw with a shotgun and hold him at gunpoint. And the jogger was like, yeah, he actually held me at gunpoint. And Fetterman was going, oh, no, it didn't happen. Yeah, he actually did. And how is this guy... How how is how is it only five thirty eight projecting a twenty three percent chance that this guy doesn't win? What in the world? John Fetterman is, a, is he and Beto O'Rourke and Stacey Abrams? They all come from the same victim mentality, failed politician factory. Except John Fetterman, I've never seen anybody with so much privilege as this guy. He's never worked a job. He got he's been paid an allowance from his parents his entire life so he can focus on politics he cosplays as the average american while living in a bougie loft that he didn't buy for himself and i don't he gave his sister a dollar to say that he bought it from her she purchased it for him giving somebody a dollar just so you can say it that's not you purchasing your own place he lives i mean he's he's a leech on his family and he thinks that he can lead taxpayers thinks he can lead voters and he's a racist because I mean, for the love, he's also abused office repeatedly and the entire city council in Braddock apparently tried to fire him because they wanted to fire him. They thought he was criminal because he was using law enforcement to dig up oppo on people who criticized him. Now, imagine if this slacker got any more authority or power. There's no it's just it's mind blowing. Mind blowing. Some of the other Senate races. And looking at some new polling on this shows that so far everything's kind of whole. I really do think that there's a chance. I, I, I think that the Pennsylvania seat needs to flip. There's a chance that Republicans could be plus two. This poll that was done by Indy Politics had a sample survey of 600. Uh, margin of error is kind of high at four uh, percent, but they were looking at uh, some of their some of their races in Indianapolis. That's a Senate race that's kind of tightening. But I do think that, I actually think that Democrats' chances to hold the House are even less than what 538 is forecasting. Nevada's looking better and better all the time. In fact, there was a new poll out today bringing up the RCP average to Adam Laxalt, almost three now. Uh, he has led in the past four polls, sorry, five polls. Uh, and the highest was in his trafficker group. That was a plus four. Nevada Independent has him at a plus two with the average being uh, 2.2. And this has all just been from uh, the earliest dates. The survey start September 8th. So he's really, really pulling away from Cortez Masto, who is now starting to fall. Almost, She's at the bottom of that uh, margin of error. And I think he's going to continue pulling away as we roll in towards November. So so far, so good. That one's looking really good. Missouri's a shoe-in, uh, which it was almost not. So thankfully, it is a shoe-in. And then looking at some of these other Senate races, so far in Arizona, Mark Kelly is plus four, the Democrat. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson is plus three. It looks like he's probably going to stave off that challenge, uh, but we'll see. And in Pennsylvania and Georgia, these other two races that we're watching, in Georgia, it is literally a neck and neck. It is an absolute neck and neck because this latest survey has Warnock only at 0.7 advantage. In Pennsylvania, Fetterman is now beyond the margin of error, but just barely at 4.1. So 
And then we got Ohio, where Vance is leading by uh, almost, well, he's plus 1.2. And in Florida, Rubio is plus 3.6 against Val Demings. And then New Hampshire, Colorado, and Washington, those are pretty big Democrat margins. Uh, and North Carolina, Bud, the Republican, plus 1.6. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll gonna, the Senate's what I'm worried about. The House, I'm not following as much unless there's a major upset, uh, just because I think the Senate's where it's, where it's going to, where everything's going to, everything's going to fall to Uh, in terms of the economy another quick headline here for you i I really wish that this was a better headline because it has to deal with housing and oh my gosh and mortgage payments are soaring the typical 337 dollar increase they said typical mortgage mortgage payments sorry soar 337 dollars in six weeks interest rates are hovering near seven percent homes are lingering on the market desperate sellers are are Actually, uh, they're being forced to go for lower uh, asking prices, asking prices on pace with 2015. Good heavens. And the lending rate, Freddie Mac said the lending rate doubled more than doubled in the past 12 months. So the average homeowner, everybody's payments have risen about 15%, $337. Wow. 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 Thanks. Biden inflation. I've talked a lot about the Keltec KSG shotgun over the years, and it's no secret how much I love it. It's become the go-to shotgun for law enforcement and home defense, and for a really good reason. Uh, but why am I such a huge fan of the Keltec KSG? Well, like everything that Keltec invents, it created an entirely new class of shotgun, and the one that started it all is the KSG shotgun. It's the first 12-gauge pump-action shotgun chambered for three-inch shells. And with its dual tube mags, offers a capacity of 12 plus 1. So that's six rounds in each tube plus one chambered. If you prefer two and three quarter inch shells, even better because the KSG holds seven plus seven plus one. That's 15 shells. You cannot ignore the downward shell ejection either. It makes the KSG truly ambidextrous and ejects shells away from your face. It's brilliant design. See the Keltec KSG up close and personal at KeltecWeapons.com. That's K E L. TECweapons.com. Again, to find out more, visit KeltecWeapons.com. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Hey, Oh man, that was that's an actual Florida man who's saying we got a gas generator out here, so y'all know who we're voting for. He's saying that this is they, they showed up. The st- he said the governor showed up. Welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here with you. I like that. I, the favorite part about my favorite part about that video is the other guy who is laughing so hard he can't even talk. It looks like he's trying to say something and he can't even talk. He's laughing so hard. <laughs> it just it was such a funny video. Let's kick it into some Florida man. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida man. So I'm looking here at the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office report, and it is, it's awful. It's a fatal crash in St. Petersburg, but apparently it happened. You know, remember how there was the story of, um, oh, what car was it, Steve, that had flooded? Uh, Gosh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Remember, there was the luxury car that, that flooded, and it was floating down the street in Naples? 
and what? Yeah, no, I don't know if it was a Maserati. It was, I mean, it was a, a it was a luxury car for sure. So I'm looking at, I mean, it, and I just, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, people at elite, you know, the, the, all these cars that have been left there and these boats floating down the street. Well, I'm looking, like I said, I was looking at Pinellas, McLaren. Thank you, Juan. It was a McLaren. Well, that car got flooded. This luxury car that was left over as people were uh, hunkering down for the hurricane. Uh, oh, boy. This silver Maserati was stolen. And the, oh, this is crazy. A fi- t- teenagers. 15-year-old, 16-year-old, and another 15-year-old. Kendrick Lang, Malachi Daniels, and Mario Bonilla got in. They stole the vehicle. They and this was at night. They uh, immediately got on the highway. No headlights on. Patrol deputies on the ground. They tried to stop this Maserati. The vehicle accelerated. It was going over eighty miles per hour. Deputies, out of because of safety to everybody, they had to stop pursuing. And the Maserati drove over a curb, hit a business sign, and then flipped. And one of the teenagers was killed. The other one had life-threatening injuries, and the other one was in critical. They stole this Maserati, couldn't handle it, and ended up one of the kids is killed now. This is just horrible, horrible, horrible. But you know, I guess people thought they could get away with it as everybody was focused on storm response and all of that. Good heavens. This coming from WKRG Channel 5. A Florida man ran onto a Little League football field, put on a helmet, and hit a kid. <laughs> Jeez. This is a, in Pensacola. This guy got arrested last Thursday, charged with child cruelty. He ran onto a Little League football field, placed a helmet on his head, and tackled a kid. 41-year-old David Allen Taylor, who looks like he's not 41. He looks way older. According to the arrest report, there was a deputy who just happened to be at the field observing the football practice, and he saw several coaches arguing with a guy on the field who was a parent of a player. The guy, Taylor, was yelling, cursing, and approaching the coaching staff in an aggressive manner. And then the nine-year-old, they said that nine-year-old football players were doing one-on-one tackling scrimmage, and one kid got matched up with the victim. During the scrimmage, the victim overpowered the other kid, and the kid started crying. Taylor immediately according to the story, ran out to the football field and was angry due to the child crying. He then got the kid's helmet, placed it on his head, got in a kneeling stance, and then tackled, ran and tackled the victim in the chest with the football helmet on his head. And so, yeah, he got in way trouble. $30,000 bond. That's what it's cost this guy. Golly! A Florida man robbed a woman at a hotel and then tried to swim away. This was in Tampa, this date. Actually, just yesterday, uh, a Florida man found that I guess he thought he was going to rob and swim. Uh, according to the Tampa Department, it, this was at uh, Tampa Department Aviation. They had to catch this guy. It was about 8 a.m. Saturday. A woman was robbed in the parking lot of a hotel. Somebody grabbed her wallet and tried to run. Witnesses saw him flee uh, to Cypress Point Beach. That's where officers located him. And then when they were getting ready to arrest him, he got into the water and tried to swim away. That lasted for about three minutes, they said, and then he was taken into custody. Three minutes was as long as that lasted for. And last but not least, all methed up. A Florida couple busted for doing drugs while snoozing in their car. They uh, chose the wrong street to stop and take a nap. They were in their car, and apparently it was parked on the side of the road, and I think it was still running without lights on, which is why they approached it. They got all kinds of charges. Stick with us. Third hour next.
If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation using offer code Dana. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement, make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Dana, 972-PATRIOT criteria were met as early as Sunday based on the National Hurricane Center models. But the evacuation order wasn't issued on Tuesday. So this is something that we are learning now. Was that a mistake, especially given the death toll in Lee County? I think the way you have to look at it is every loss of life, you have to say to yourself, what could you do differently next time so it never happens again? Should that have been done Uh, differently? Unfortunately, we can't bring anybody back. We're going to look and find out. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I want to know because it's issue I had as governor is trying to say, what did I learn to try to make sure that we don't lose a life? And so I think that everybody in every one of these emergency operations yeah. centers has to say to themselves, okay, so what do we do to make sure we don't lose a life? And also, you know, lots of uh, what can we do to mitigation all these things? Hmm. That's Rick Scott who's answering a question from CNN about the Lee County. Uh, evacuation. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here, top of our third hour this Monday. That's the, that is the big, the great big uh, narrative that the media is trying to push. And we've talked about it the last couple of hours, uh, mentioned it the last couple of hours, simply because it is, it's really ridiculous to see the press do this, especially when everyone was watching the same coverage and his response i think desantis's response has been uh as governor of florida to this has been fantastic i really don't trust the media who gave kathleen blanco the governor of louisiana who totally fumbled didn't do anything didn't was accused by both the pentagon and fema of indecisiveness and delay that actually cost more lives i don't i don't at all uh believe in media that gave her a pass is capable of passing judgment on any uh, on every everything that DeSantis has done in Florida. Not at all. And the point being, and what you know, in some of the audio that we played from him, it was only within the last. I mean, it was less than the thirty six hours before it hit land that it shifted to the south, because Tampa was right there in direct line of impact, right in the middle, and then it shifted south and it turned to Fort Myers. And they were basing evacuations just as every single state does whenever there is a hurricane or whatever flooding. They were basing the evacuations on the storm's path. These people are going to be impacted most. Uh, we got to get these people out, etc. There's Because you have millions of people, you only have so many roads and bridges. They needed to do it in an orderly fashion and not a giant uh, hysterical free-for-all. 
And when the storm shifted, they were nimble enough to react to that. You also have the added issue of there are some people who do not want to evacuate. And they've ha- I mean, those people have been seen on television. That's something that you're always going to have. You can't force someone to leave. And if people choose to stay there, there are risks associated with that. But this incent- this insistence of pr- the press, and, have you- and if you've noticed, there aren't really a lot of Democrat uh, talking heads that are pushing this narrative. I think they're waiting to see the media do it first. And if it looks like it sticks and it looks like it's safe, then they're going to stick their necks out and then they're going to say something because this is such an ins- they're they're risking the wrath of some of these officials, many of whom themselves are Democrats who like the way that DeSantis has handled everything. And and many of these, I mean, we played uh, for Florida, man, we played one guy. He's like, I'm a Democrat and I'm voting for DeSantis. I think the way that they the states handled this has been great. And he's in one of those areas, Lee County, that's been that's been uh, really uh, the most one of the most affected by Hurricane Ian. These politicians don't want to run afoul of all these people and be accused of playing politics because they got too far out ahead of it. So everybody's they're all hiding behind the media right now, letting the media go out and do the kind of take the temperature check. That's why. And it's and it's CNN's really leading this. It's disgusting. So, I mean, I, I, I can under they deserve the criticism for this. I mean, it's very very easy to understand the explanation that has been given by Lee County officials. And I'm not quite sure what else needs to be done to make some of these people understand unless you draw pictures for them. But it's asinine and it's a a weak and lame hit. Of course, these people had nothing to say. I mean, there hasn't been any, any critical that I've seen reporting on the vice president of the United States. I mean, creating a panic because she was saying that Hurricane Ian relief should be based on equity racial, and, and, and that it should be apparently race, racially distributed. Because equity is, requires, equity and equality are, are at odds with each other. Equality abhors discrimination. Equality is about making sure that everyone has the same opportunities and the results may differ. Equity focuses more on equal results, meaning sometimes you, well, and most of the time, you have to actually incorporate discrimination in order to achieve absolute equal results. Free will and personal choice is disregarded as factors that affect the outcome. It is an illiberal communist notion. And the vice president of the United States actually sat on stage and was broadcast by C-SPAN as saying, well, this, this is audio soundbite one. And so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities mm. um, and, and do that work. Well, FEMA doesn't agree with her. The head of the Federal Emergency Management Agency said that the administration will, quote, support all communities. That was their response to Kamala Harris's. It was just a dreadful, horrible response or her remark. So FEMA said, no, no, no. We are going to we are going to support all communities. Deanne Criswell, she was asked about those about those the president's comments. And she said, no, every she said, quote, I committed that to the governor. I commit to you right here that all Floridians are going to be able to get the help that is available 
to them through our programs. And Steve, I dropped that audio if you want to play that. She said that it's, uh, and, and the way, I mean, really, ultimately, you got the sense that her, her she wanted to say that her response was just not helpful. You, you really got the sense of that. This is the, uh, let's play this. This is FEMA director in response to those comments from the VP. As governor's spokesperson said that comments are causing undue panic and must be clarified. You're here. I'd like you to clarify them because Senator Scott called on FEMA to be colorblind, really insinuating you're not. Yeah, look, Margaret, I was on the ground. I was on the ground Friday and Saturday. I was uh, assessing the damage personally and talking to survivors. There are a lot of people that are gonna need assistance as a result of this. And one of the things that uh, I have known and I have experienced responding to other disasters, that there are people that often have a hard time accessing our programs, there's barriers to our program. And one of our focus areas um, since I've been in office is to make sure that we're removing those barriers. So these people that need our help the most are gonna be able to access the help that, that we offer. So she's saying no, everyone's gonna be helped. I honestly, the VP really needs to respond and apologize for that remark. Here you have an instance of someone trying to increase further division where you don't need to do that. Why would you, at at a time of a hurricane, I just cannot think of anything more classless. As I said earlier, she's just, this is just an embarrassment to say something like this. And then when she was asked about it by the press, oh, they didn't want to have any, she didn't want to have anything to do with it. She ran away. She ran away. So it's all about, I mean, that's just, it, it's, it, it's the politicization to natural disaster response. Golly. Equity for hurricane relief. My word. Now, a few things. Very, very expensive winter on the way, as uh, we were saying a little earlier. The refineries in California, because they, I was, this was according to Gas Buddy. Apparently, many refineries are pivoting to creating renewable diesel, which only yields about a third of what normally would be produced. So, and this is Patrick DeHaan of Gas Buddy. That's, this is getting into some very sketchy stuff especially as OPEC and OPEC Plus have said that they're actually going to restrict supply even more now, which not, you've seen gas prices. In California, California gas prices are higher than the national average. We have friends that live out there and, and they take pictures and post them on Facebook. You'll see like six and seven dollars a gallon. It is, that's, it's insane to see. I mean, they're high. Yes, they are. Gas prices are high, but the idea that you know you have like almost seven dollars a gallon of gas in California is mind-boggling. The Wall Street Journal had a very interesting piece on this, though, the other morning. They were talking about green energy, ESG, and all this stuff. They wrote that California gas prices have long been higher than the national average because of the fuel taxes and all their climate regulations. But now. They said that the difference is the largest in at least two decades. Taxes add. About 66 cents, so the price of a gallon, twice as much on average as other states. And California has that cap and trade program. 
and low carbon fuel standards. That adds about another 46 cents a gallon. And they say the regulations are actually causing these refineries to shut down or convert to producing biofuels that are more profitable because of the rich subsidies from the state. California lost 12% of refining capacity between 2017 and 2021. They're going to lose another 8% by the end of next year. And they said that refineries outside of the state, they can't even produce the supposedly greener fuel blend. And when you think of the cargo ships, a friend was making the point, that, yes, this is in California, but it still actually is going to impact your pocketbook. So many things are ordered from overseas. Significant portion of that comes in through the Pacific. So think about all of the cargo ships that go into California's ports. That's about mm, more than 40%. And the cost of diesel is about, what, 630 a gallon, something like that? So yeah, that's going to affect everybody. That affects everybody. That affects bringing goods into the country. That affects everything. So their goofiness affects every other state in the union. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn joins me to discuss the explosion of violent crime in Memphis and many other U.S. cities and what she says she is doing about it. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, I'll also explain how a Biden crony is getting rich off our open border policies and the Justice Department is studying white supremacy in video games. Don't miss it. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. I didn't even know that we were facing a butter shortage ahead of the holidays, but the New York Post says, well, here's why we're facing a butter shortage ahead of the holidays. They said, according to the Department of Agriculture, the amount of butter sitting in storage facilities just in August fell 10% month over month. It was down 22% compared to the same time a year ago. So there were 282 million pounds of butter in warehouses last month. In August of 2021, that was 362 million pounds, according to USDA. Um, How is it going to be Thanksgiving if there's a butter shortage? I will literally fight you in the aisle for butter. I'm not kidding. I mean, I also probably have to learn to churn it myself. But if you thought like, you know, Black Friday was crazy, wait until there's a butter shortage. Just saying, you know, flat screen TVs have nothing on butter, salted or unsalted, doesn't matter. So I, I don't know, like you can't, you can freeze it, I guess. I don't know. I, I wouldn't, but they said that the price for butter has surged and it now outpaces all the other food on the consumer price index. Because remember how I had that stat for you last hour, how it said cost for groceries in August rose by 13.5%. Butter prices have risen 25%. That is a Bureau of Labor Statistics. I'm a little scared. Just going to say, hmm. iPhone alerts. This is a crazy and horribly sad story. The new iPhone 14. Remember, there is a uh, one of the headlines that came out at the release of this was how the phone actually will call 911 for you if it detects a crash. Six people were killed in Nebraska, and it was considered the worst crash in the state's county. Uh, They said it was a horrific crash that was detected by the new iPhone 14, which alerted first responders for the victims, said authorities. Five men in a Honda Accord died at the scene of the crash. A 24-year-old woman suffered critical injuries. She died later at the hospital. One of the occupants had a recently released iPhone 14, and it detected the crash and immediately called 911 and alerted the owner's emergency contacts. 
That's actually kind of helpful to have that. I can, I'm surprised that I'm saying this, but I can see in that instance, just horrific though. Archaeologists hail a dream discovery, a sarcophagus unearthed near Cairo. I really feel like we've messed with so much in terms of bats and everything else. Do we really need to be messing around with this sarcophagus? You know, Brandon Fraser's coming back now. He's got a new movie, and I don't really want to see The Mummy 3 happening in real life. Anyway, they said this thing went disturbed for a number of years. It's a giant granite sarcophagus, and apparently it's the guy who headed the treasury of King Ramses II, Egypt's mightiest pharaoh. Just saying, there's been a lot of horror films that have start this way, started this way. So coming up, wokery. I've got a lot of wokery for you. We're going to hit that. We're going to hit, we got a whole bunch of headlines. Don't go anywhere. When you're stuck discussing politics with your friends, who's the most informed person in the group? Yep, you are. You're welcome. Listen, follow, subscribe. The Dana Show. And first, I just wanted to check in and see how, how you're feeling and how you're doing. I'm doing, fa- I'm doing fantastic. And, and uh, it's not about kicking balls uh, in the authority or anything. What? I love his miss. I can't tell who's a better person at speaking, John Fetterman or Kamala Harris. That's, uh, as you know, John Fetterman there. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here. I, there's no context to that video. I just think it's hysterical. It's, it's, he literally said it's not about kicking balls in the authority or anything. He just... I still cannot believe that this guy is in the lead. I mean, there's not a lot of a lead, but it's close enough. I get it. It's not the best Republican candidate, but surely, you know, a wooden spoon would be better than John Fetterman, right? In that in that elected office at this point. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my heavens. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. The bottom of our third hour. Two stories for you. The first one comes by way of Luke Rosiak. You remember the Virginia school walkout where they had kids uh, that were, it's the Pride, Pride Liberation Project. Remember when Pride was a sin? Was, you mean is? And it's supposed to be pride, proudful, prideful, you're supposed to be humble. Virginia pro-trans group with Democratic ties, according to Rosiak, says it's going to help gender-confused students leave their families and rehome them with new quote-unquote queer friendly guardians instead according to internal materials that were obtained by the daily wire the pride liberation project also says it can give money to students who run away and hide from their parents it got a whole bunch of accolades uh, when it organized all those high schoolers to walk out of class remember the twelve thousand? they it was a, a and everyone was saying it was totally organic and then the headline came out last friday or this past friday then no it was a it was a far left group that actually organized everything. This And kids will walk out if they think they get a skip day. They're going to totally cut. But they said they were they were apparently uh, protesting the uh, regulations on gender, like meaning you know, for sports or bathrooms, locker rooms, etc. And it was funny because they decided to there was the, the Pride Liberation Project acts like it's a student group, but it's a guy who's a college student. And he already worked for a Democrat state lawmaker. So he's a grown a double snakes man or male. Not everybody can be men, uh, but everybody can be males. So they said that they took place them with queer friendly guardians. They 
said that they created the channel as a way for everyone to understand the mutual aid and support resources. In the event of you needing to leave your home, for example, they wrote, uh, we can provide you with emergency housing from a supportive, queer-friendly adult, etc., etc. They have all this stuff. These are other people's kids. And trying to lure kids away from their families, who I guarantee you care more about them than this political group that wants to exploit them, is dangerous incredibly dangerous they said that if you need an event if you attend an event or protest we can work with you to craft a valid non-queer reason for you to have been there this is kind of insane the virginia project a group of parents and uh the the parents groups there and others have said that they think that it's incredibly dangerous and reckless which they are correct isn't this by the way is this not how sex trafficking works you're just luring kids away from their families the Daily Wire also obtained materials, according to Rosiak, that included discussion about the the organized school walkout. And the walkout revolved around the guidance from, from the Department of Education. Because the Department of Education, apparently the guidance was saying that the schools cannot hide a student's status from their families. And you can't change their names and their pronouns and all of this stuff unless the parents give written consent. The left likes consent until it doesn't, apparently. It's a fight over the kids. And, and, and the reason being, when all these parents began going out to these school board meetings and speaking out, that was a really formidable... Parents make up a very formidable foe for the left to try to counter. And it was made especially difficult because a number of these parents, many of whom I've interviewed... And some of who have been on this program and others, special productions that I've done, whether it was with the first who also carries our simulcast of the nationally syndicated radio show, they're Democrats. In fact, one of the first groups organized in Virginia is run by a Democrat woman. She's a, a, a Muslim Democrat, and she was infuriated by the CRT that she saw in schools. There have been black Democrat parents that said that have have been enraged. They said you're teaching discrimination. Others don't believe that this sort of, you know, the the and the gender approach and everything else has a place in school. Then there was the story of the guy who ended up getting arrested because he was so infuriated that the school was hiding the fact that uh, a male who identifies as a female raped his daughter in the girl's bathroom. So. All of all of these parents from all these different backgrounds and all of these different beliefs, regardless of their politics, they share the belief that parents are the ultimate authority when it comes to their children and not schools. So they have to think of some way to counter it. And the only thing that they can think to do is to go after the kids, which sounds just like a predator. Go after the kids and try to get the kids to go against the parents. They will lose this fight. You will not win against parents. The most dangerous place in the world for anybody to be is between a parent and their child. They will not win this. And they haven't. And this is just a sign that they're losing. I made mention a little earlier, and a lot of people have just since I brought this up in the past three hours as the, as the story continues to uh, roll and uh, gain even more steam online, that uh, one film... That was done, uh, I don't even know who this guy is, Billy Eichner, the star of Bros, which is what he said was a gay rom-com. And he had tweeted out, let me pull this up so I can quote it properly. Uh, 
he went on a t- he went on a tear on uh, social media. He said that he was proud of his movie, and he said Rolling Stone has bros on the list of the best comedies of the 21st century. And he says what's also true is that at one point, a theater chain called Universal said they were pulling the trailer because of the gay content. And he says this is the world we live in, unfortunately, even with glowing reviews, blah, 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 uh, in certain parts of the country, he said. He says straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. Everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. So he's blaming everybody else on his movie's failure. And I was thinking about this, first off, because when I went and looked up this movie, when you go and see a movie, how important is it to you that you actually recognize the names of the people in the movie? I don't know about you, but I have a difficulty in sitting still. I am a very hyper person, typically. I'm on a carb. It's my birthday over the weekend and I had pizza, so give me a break. So I'm like in carb overload right now and I'm getting clean today and tomorrow. It's like a drug, basically. So when you, if I go and sit, I, I, for me to be captive in a theater for two hours, it had better be a damn good movie. I don't go to a theater unless it is amazing and I cannot go another day without seeing it. That's the only time I ever go. And I love movies, but I'm very picky. And how much, the last movie I saw in the theater was Top Gun. I went because it's Top Gun. Everybody knows Tom Cruise. When you go and see movies, you know the people in it. I don't know who the hell these people are in this movie. And I asked gay conservatives if they knew them. There is a friend who is a gay conservative that lives in Florida. Had no idea who these people were. It's like, I don't know. Why would I go see this? Nobody knows who they are. That's a huge part of it. Number one. Number two, isn't it a little bit self-aggrandizing to think that, well, mine's the best and there's been no other movie like this. That's done, and, and so, you know, for the reason that it, because it, they spent $22 million on it and it's only recouped $5 million. This made me think of some of the other films that have come out that actually, I guess you could, for the lack of a, a better way to put it, they were gay movies, I guess, that you could, that, that were, rel- that were, that did incredibly well and made a lot of money. And I was thinking the Brokeback Mountain, which I never saw, that made millions and millions and millions of dollars its opening weekend. And then Tom Hanks was in the movie Philadelphia. That was one of the, and that was back when I was in school. I was in high school when that movie came out. And that, the marketing for that was everywhere. It had a, and it definitely recouped its budget. It made a ton of money. Maybe there's a little bit of a difference in the actual movie making. And then also, what's, what month is it? It's October. It's fall. What typically usually, what kind of movies are usually slated for release in October? Thrillers, horror films, things like that. The number one at the box office over the weekend was a horror film called Smile. You also have to think of the timing of all of this too. The other thing that a friend of mine noted when they were talking about specifically, um, how different shows and there was a great piece about this and I, I'm going to find it so I can and I'll put it in your email prep so I can properly attribute it or attribute it that was up at Red State um, dealing with the show the TV sh- uh, show uh, S-C-H-I-T-T-S by the way Schitt's Creek and it had Catherine O'Hara and Dan Levy was one of the writers he and his dad Eugene Levy uh, they wrote this show and it was a really it was a good show and one of the things that 
Dan Levy, he gave an interview because there there was a story uh, and it, it wasn't the central theme, but there was a, a gay couple in the story, but it wasn't overall didn't it didn't uh, suck all of the room, the air out of the room and dominate every storyline in every episode. It was something that ended up gradually going and then it was part of towards the end of the, when the series concluded. And he had given an interview that said he doesn't learn anything when he's being when someone's trying to teach him something, he doesn't learn anything. And I think there's something to be said for that in entertainment. People don't want to be taught things. They want to be entertained. They don't want to be lectured. They want to be entertained. And uh, one of the things that that series did is it didn't really lecture you. And he made a point of saying he didn't want to preach at people. He wanted to, he didn't want to compromise um, his his show his art that he was doing but he also did want to alienate people and preach to them so he found this very very uh thin line to walk in order to not alienate people and not preach at people but stay true to the core comedic point of the series and from everything that i've seen with this bros movie that's not what this guy did apparently it's a giant preachy thing and then he's actually has the audacity to say that the reason that people didn't see it is because they were homophobic well apparently gay americans didn't go see it either because it only made five million over the weekend so maybe you just need to be a better filmmaker and less of a bigot and if you're not up to snuff to actually be able to make a film without alienating people then maybe you should just get into, I don't know, be an activist, but don't call yourself a filmmaker because this just, I don't know. I just, I can't stand when other people project their inadequacies on others and blame others for their inability to deliver. And that's what it looks, I don't even know who this guy is. I didn't even know he was verified. I just looked at it when I saw that it was trending and part of a story. I don't know what else this guy's ever done. So I don't know, but it just seems lame to blame everybody else for your inability to make a better movie. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I saw a headline from AFP, Agence France Press, saying that Biden flew to Puerto Rico to inspect storm damage, saying in a failed jab that his predecessor, Trump, uh, had, uh, had not been really taking very good care of the territory during the past hurricanes. And I was thinking of this, and I had just asked Juan, because he's and his family from Puerto Rico, I remember the story of the governor, and this was like a couple of years ago, they found this this massive, there was all kinds of, from what I saw, fighting between Puerto Rican officials as to who dropped the ball when. And they had, they fired the housing secretary, they fired a couple of other high-ranking officials, they found a major, one example, they found a major warehouse full of cots and baby food, diapers, uh, water, all kinds of stuff that had never actually been distributed. And I don't know if any president, Democrat, Republican, is responsible for making the governor or the officials there do any of that. And then secondly, they're just like back in previous with previous hurricanes with uh, Puerto Rico. This just happened last week after Hurricane Ian went through. They there was a lot of pressure for the Biden administration to waive what they called the Jones Act. And that was if you have a ship that has uh, U.S. supplies, you know, you have a U.S. fuel, whatever you have, it has to, uh, there's, there's restrictions on how it has to dock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
long story short, I, it, 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 this was a problem that was under Trump and even under previous presidents. It's a problem that Congress has to address, but for some reason, it doesn't seem like they've ever been interested in making it more fast-paced if something needs to be waived in order to get aid to these particular areas. So again, I don't even know that I would necessarily, I just think that's silly that they're trying so hard to politicize this when there are so many other other contributing factors that actually contributed to a delay in uh, aid or problems with distributing aid. It's just, it's asinine, this, this push to constantly politicize this. I'll be on uh, Jesse Waters' primetime program, 6 p.m. Central this evening. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that and sign up for our newsletter over at Substack, Chapter and Verse. Before we go, today in stupidity, what was your pick today, Steve? My, pick, out. my pick was a vice president, which would probably be the same thing Kane would pick if he was here. Uh, she was explaining how she goes through her charts and graphs sometimes, and she has this weird obsession. So here we go. Here's the last point that I'll share with you. I asked my team... Um, I, I love Venn diagrams, so oh my God, I just what? do. Whenever you're dealing with conflict, pull out a Venn diagram, right? And so you know the three circles. And so I, so I, I asked my team, right? They're fantastic. What? What? She might need more than that. What? what? Pull out a Venn diagram. That's an ad, I think. It's just silly. That's a meme, at least. Yeah, there you go. Folks, that does it for us this Monday. Sign up for the newsletter. I got stuff coming up for you all this week, and I'll be on Jesse Waters tonight. Have a great night. Back with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.